This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Red Valley is intended for mature audiences and contains scenes some listeners may find distressing. Please go to redvalleypod.com for full content warnings on every episode. Do you want to continue? Oh, hey. Over here. Oh, can I stick this somewhere? Oh, yeah, yeah. Just throw it in the back seat. Mm-hmm. Morning. Hey. Feeling all right? Yeah. Really? No. I feel like a nutsack. Uh, look, can we can we put on some air conditioning or something? Oh, she doesn't have aircon, man. <clears throat> this isn't a hangover, by the way. It's a migraine. Is that true? My pills bring them on sometimes. It's always worst in the mornings. Probably didn't help being pissed up last night, though. <sighs> I think that's reasonable. Yeah. Are you just gonna leave your car here? Um. Yeah, I'll I'll come back for it. Um. Unless you'd rather go in my car. Do you want to drive? Please don't make me do that. Don't worry about it. Look, I've got biscuits. Oh, God. I love you. Road trip, then. Yep. Road trip. Okay. <laughs> Let's do this. <laughs> We're going to go to Red Valley and solve mysteries, uh-huh. uncover secrets, blow this shit wide open, stand in the shadow of the mighty ball bag. <laughs> I don't think you can stop here, actually. Oh. Yeah, uh, okay, hang on. Oh, yeah, lol. Oops. <laughs> oh, fuck off! Say yeah, the, yeah, it's, uh, left, uh, up there. I don't really know how to get, like, I, I'm probably fine once we're on the motorway, but I don't actually know how to get to the motorway. Do you have a sat-nav? No. Oh, my phone does. I don't have the data to get us all the way to Scotland, but we can use it for now. Oh, cool, cool. Um, there's a map behind your seat for the rest of it. Oh, 
Oh my god, how old is this? As old as the car I expect. Why is it so crispy? Because it's old. Ugh. Don't look like that. I don't wank off over diagrams of the M25. Sniff it if you must. Wait, what did it say? Oh, keep left. Oh, there. They go oh. there. Were you serious about this prison idea? It's only an idea. I was trying to think of practical uses for this kind of technology if it was real. I just don't believe a bunch of old rich people, no matter how much money they have, are enough to justify all this. No one's going to go to all the abject horror and mess, frankly, on the whim of some old bastard, or some young bastard, who can change his mind, have second thoughts, die earlier than planned. There are too many variables. There has to be some larger function, something more permanent, some institutional application. Overhead make millions in private prisons. Being able to store a prisoner rather than actively detaining them, all you'd need is, is a warehouse, a storage unit, a, a vault. Yeah. So who are we talking to? Like I said, he's, he's just a rep. He might not know anything. I thought, what's the harm? We're only dropping in. What, time? Oh, there isn't a time. I'm just going to catch him at his office. I didn't want him to be able to say no. Sure, sure, yeah. Let's just make it up as we go. So, what else did Clive Schill have to say about me? Oh, we don't have to talk about that. No, it's fine, really. I'd, I'd rather know. Um, well, he said... He said he wasn't supposed to be telling me this, that it was confidential HR stuff, but you had had uh, some difficulties with your mental health before joining the company. That you might be impressionable or prone to paranoia or manic behaviour and that I wasn't being a positive influence on you with all my interests. Well, I don't know where we would get that idea. I'm only thacking it up the M1 with a raging hangover after drunkenly yelling at my boss that I'm off to search for a mythical research facility where maniacs are freezing people's bodies until they shatter like china plates or are liquefied into toxic sludge without telling my wife. You didn't tell your wife? She wouldn't take it very well. I expect you may have to tell her at some point. Like, probably today. That is a distinct possibility. Have you got any sweets? I think you've heard way too much about me, Gordon. Tell me about you. There's really not much to tell. Oh, you're, you're serious? You're, you're not going to tell me anything? I... Uh, I'm sorry, man. Don't worry about it. Sorry to ask. Can we have the radio on? Oh, someone snapped the aerial off. I replaced it, and then went through the car wash a day later, which snapped it off again. And now, I just think I'm not supposed to have an aerial. Okay, you got any tapes? Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, glove box. Jeez Louise. Sorry, there's quite a few. Uh, take your pick, though, they're all good. Neurovitrification and the simian brain. If you can tolerate the horrendous animal cruelty, that's a fascinating lecture. The sky's the... Hayflick limit? Oh, yeah, uh, the Hayflick limit is the amount of times the cells in your body divide big part of the quest for biological immortality. Simon Callow reads the audiobook. Now oh, this one's got Aubrey Wood on it, but it's crossed out. Oh, yeah, that, that was just a copy I taped over. I think it had some early psych evaluations. Yeah, boring stuff. I thought you gave me everything. Oh, I did. Yeah, everything from the base. This was just background fluff. Where did she go to school? Does she play well with others? Etc, etc. And you copied over it with... Aloha Eternity? Yeah. 
a guy proposed a cryonic cruise ship. You live out the end of your days on a luxury cruise liner going around the world, Hawaii, the Caribbean, wherever, yeah, always moving, avoiding all kinds of international euthanasia and funeral law, then, when you're ready, you down your last dignitas margarita, and the bar staff immediately jump in and freeze your brains before you slip off your bar stool. It's not the worst idea in the world. You can't freeze a soul. My journey into the cryonic void. Oh, that's, um, that's a memoir. A draft of uh, a memoir. Your memoir? Uh, it's a work in progress. I thought there wasn't much to say about you. You've recorded a memoir. You filled the whole tape. Well, not the whole tape. It says part five. It's not ready for public consumption. Gordon, I choose to believe you. You know, I don't think I can listen to anyone talking about brains or monkeys or margaritas of any kind. Do you have any music, anything at all? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that green one. What is it? That's my old band. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, I like to keep it around. It reminds me of a simpler time. Oh, put it on, it'll be fun. Sure. That track was called Morior Invictus. <laughs> it's about galloping towards a glorious death. Oh, of course it was. We were called Puscrank. <laughs> Puscrank? <laughs> she sells out every belief that she has. Remember that scientist guy she's in love with the whole time? David, he went to Minsk. Yes, she's in love with him for like 10 years and then blows him off for a pretty boy. That was Paul Rudd. I would choose Paul Rudd. She's an animal rights activist who then wants to wear a real fur coat. She hates corporations, but then fills her house with pottery barn furniture and goes to work for the big corporate massage company in secret. Phoebe is a fraud. Rachel turns up at Monica's house in the very first episode, having left a guy at the altar, right? Monica is her best friend from school. She wasn't even invited to the wedding. She's not even an evening guest. She gets off with Ross the night Monica and Shana get engaged because, God forbid, an event happens that isn't about her. On Monica's wedding day, it's all about Rachel getting pregnant. When she has the baby, she steals Monica's baby name. And then Monica ends up not being able to have kids. Yeah, well, that's not Rachel's fault. Everyone says that. Hello? Oh, Craig. Um, hi. Yeah, I'm good, yeah. Uh, what can I do for you? Well, yeah. Actually, I am. I'm on my way through this afternoon and I was wondering... Oh, right. Okay. Um, what if I got there sooner? Well, yeah. Yeah, I'm with a friend. Or it's just a, just a, just a, a guy from archives. Oh, I see. Well, another time then? Um, yeah, I'll send you an email if that's okay. Yeah, all right, mate. Well, it's good to speak to you anyway. Okay, uh, bye. Oh, that doesn't sound good. That was my friend, the rep. He just cancelled on me. Wait, I thought he didn't know you were coming. He didn't. Did Doug Holder tell him? I didn't tell him either. Well, I, I don't think I did. Are you sure? Well, yeah, I was, I was trying to be stealthy. What do you want to do? Sod it. Let's plow on. 
It saved some time at least. We can stop for some food if you want. You see, the thing is, the music, despite the technical complexity and outwardly aggressive tone, is, as I'm sure you can tell, incredibly melodic and uplifting. Sentimental in many ways. Yeah, it's very sweet. Thank you. So, you need a suitable power metal name. I wanted to call us Glory Wings, but apparently it sounded like a sanitary product. But Jeffrey and Simon, who were the guitarists and brothers as well, they were obsessed with names like um, Bile Piston, Pox Hammer, which are all clearly crust names. What is crust? Crust? Oh, like uh, Anarchy Punk Chick, or Dust War Screaming and Dirty Bass. It's an entirely different sound. So no wonder we never got anywhere with a name like Puss Crank. Oh, shit. What? Oh, uh, just, just tear the plaster off. Yeah, thanks. Hi. Hi. I didn't expect you to pick up. I'm sorry. I don't even know what you're apologising for. Thank you. No, I mean which part? Is it the running away and not telling me where you're going? Is it going AWOL at your job which we need to pay for the house we live in? Or is it the way you spoke to Doug, your boss, my friend, to whom you owe your whole career? I know. You're completely right. I'm right. Of course I'm right. You told him to suck your dick. What? Whoa, whoa, I never said that. Really? I would never say that. Oh, so what did you say? Warren? I said he could suck a dick. I'm sorry? I said he could go suck a dick. Oh! Much better. I wonder how he got those two confused. Yeah, that's totally different. Who's that? Shut up. That's that's Gary Hemlock or whoever it is. Oh, it's Gordon Porlock. Oh, and I suppose he's taping all of this on his little dictaphone, is he? Sorry, man. She's my wife. I'm an archivist, Mrs. Godby. It's just a habit. Stop talking. Karen, I, I know. I'm having some trouble. I, I should never have spoken to Doug that way. I don't want to lose my job. Then why did you tell him he could stick it up his shit pipe? <laughs> Shut up, Gordon. Gordon. Karen, I'm going to be home in the next day or two. Oh, will you? And I'll explain everything. I'll just make you up a dinner then, shall I? Keep it warm for you when you deign to come home. Look, let's 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 talk later, please. <laughs> Who's the worst friend, Mrs. Godby? Gordon, be quiet. What? The worst friend from Friends. I think it's Phoebe, and Warren thinks it's Rachel. Two white guys taping themselves arguing about TV shows. Just what the world needs more of. Sorry. I'm sorry. Enjoy your little pop culture happy hour, my love. Hi. Love you. Ross is obviously the worst friend. How's the hangover? I feel like I'm in the middle of a really long stroke. But you've done all the things. You had biscuits, you found those furry paracetamol in the cup holder, and you had a Burger King. I listened to 75 minutes of power metal. Which you were into by side B. And you said you were only pretending to be napping, so I'd stop talking about my pitch for a live action adaptation of the Cimmerillion, but I saw a fly land on your face, and you didn't move, so I know you got some sleep. I just... I don't know who I think I am carrying on like this. I have no idea what I'm doing. Oh, you've just got the dreads. Existential crises are an essential part of the recovery experience. You remember when you were at school and you would get bullied? What makes you think I was bullied? 
who did you say you wanted to play Eru the Supreme Being in the Cimmerillion? Danny DeVito. So when you were bullied, you would always do everything you could to avoid being hit, right? Yeah. Of course you did. Me too. Whenever I would tell my mum or a teacher or whoever, they would always commend me for not trying to hit them back, for not starting a fight. Okay. And that idea was meant to get reinforced in your mind that you were the better person for not being violent, for not rising to it. Well, yeah, that's true. I never felt that. Not once. I didn't back down from a bully at school or walk away from an idiot in a pub because I thought it made me the better man. I did it because I was scared. Because I was always smaller than they were, because I had no idea how to hit someone. If I'd been built like He-Man, I wouldn't have backed down. I would have broken their faces. I wasn't better. I was weaker. Well, there's no shame in not wanting to get yourself hurt. Especially if you've done nothing to earn it. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm getting all weird and intense. Yeah. <laughs> Enough of this self-pitying beta male shit, please. Uh, oh, hi. Uh, yeah, can we get the bill, please? Sure. There's no denying the allure of the cruise lifestyle. I myself have taken 16 cruises with my wife and family over the years. I've been to the Mediterranean, seen the Northern Lights, Budapest, the Caribbean, Thailand. I believe there is a great opportunity here to celebrate the spirit of adventure at that time of life when it might seem most far away. To not know where in the world you might pass on, but to be secure in the knowledge that when you do, highly skilled cryonic technicians will be on hand to vitrify your corporeal form. Do you think your mother's death and the manner of her death impacts on the work you do? Or do you believe it has an impact on your current position? And how do you think it could affect your day-to-day -day responsibilities? I think it would be naive to think it hasn't played a part in my choices in my career and my personal life and that it wouldn't inform decisions I go on to make. It's one of the reasons I got into the field, but it's not an obstacle. Have you had any counselling or therapy of any kind in regards to this, or What's any this? other life? Oh, there's still some Aubrey left over. You want to turn it on? My mother's nah. My father wasn't keen, as he was worried it would somehow damage my future if I had a mental issue on my record, as he put it. But I insisted I speak to someone shortly after her death. A uh, professional? my school counsellor and then a private practitioner later. I've had therapy at various times in my life. I think it's very healthy. I agree entirely. We've made great efforts to offer committed mental health services across the board at Overhead. It's Her mum died when she was little, I think. They're just trying to work out if she's in all this for the right reasons. Whatever they are. Mm -hmm. You're aware of the full nature of your duties once you're embedded at the facility? Yes, fully. The risk of loss of life during the process is... I'm under no illusion. There will be loss of life, as with every stage of the project so far. How does that sit with you, Aubrey? The process by which we select our cohorts is exhaustive, and I've played a direct role in meeting, vetting and selecting our candidates. I believe in informed consent. I believe Everyone that sets foot in our facility knows the risks. But given the circumstances you'll face, isolation, limited rest or relaxation, rationed food, very little company, how do you predict those risks, the apparent certainty of a mortality rate, will affect you, given your own responsibility in managing those risks? 
when I was vetting potential candidates, I spoke to a man who had seen terrible things. Maybe he'd done terrible things. Part of the process is very similar to this conversation, only I'm in your chair and the potential candidate is in mine. I tried to gauge his state of mind, considering the exceptional circumstances under which we were meeting. I asked him about the things he had done, the things done to him, and he said, you should only do what you know you can live with. It's a far easier thing to say than it is a code to live by, but it's stuck with me since. I know what we're facing. And I'm still here. What's wrong? What? You're looking at my tape deck like it turned into a grapefruit. Uh, it's nothing. You sure? Yeah. scenery. There was just some moonlight or something. Oh wait, was that it? What? Was that a sign? I, I wasn't looking. Oh god. Oh yeah, yeah this is it. Do they even have B&Bs around here? Oh, it's not a B&B. You said it was a B&B. No, I said a bothy. A what? A bothy. What is a bothy? Like a hut for mountaineers? I think farmers used to use them. A hut? Well, Airbnb doesn't really go this far up. Does it have electricity? Well, yeah, it's not a literal hut. It's just a bit bare bones. Camping stove, sleeping mats, that sort of thing. We've been on the road for 11 hours and there's no bed. Come on, it's all part of the adventure. How do we even get in? Uh, the farmer that has the keys lives just nearby, it said. Uh, oh, there, there. You can see his lights on. Great. Look, you're shattered. Just wait in the car and I'll walk over. It'll only be 10 minutes. Why don't we just drive over? It's the middle of the night. Oh, nah. I fancy a quick stroll. Oh, the air is amazing here. Okay. Are you all right? What do you mean? You've been quiet for ages. I just wondered if you were all right. I'm fine. I'm fine. It's just cold and late. Yeah. All right, sit tight. I'll be right back. Circumstances you'll face. Isolation, limited rest or relaxation, rationed potential candidate is in mine. I tried to gauge his state of mind considering the exceptional circumstances under which we were meeting. I asked him 
about the things he had done, the things done to him. And he said, you should only do what you know you can live with. It's a far easier thing to say than it... Red Valley was written by Jonathan Williams and directed by Alan Mandel and Jonathan Williams. All recording, editing, music and sound design by Richard Campbell at Orpheus Studio London with Carol Pestridge as creative consultant. Performances by Jonathan Williams, Alan Mandel, May Cunningham, Tash Rees-Banks, Sophie Wilson, Richard Campbell and Robin Hellier. Moria Invictus by Belly of the Steel Beast is available on Spotify now. For more information and content, you can find us on social media at Red Valley Pod. If you like what you heard, please rate, review and subscribe. Thanks so much for listening. Gentlemen to bed, for a dawn we rise to crimson skies Across the fields of destiny, our sweet oblivion waits While trumpet-tongued the heralds call our battle cry To strive to seek to Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Sine. That's a geometric waveform or arc that rises and falls. And a new Canadian TTRPG and podcast inspired by that almost soothing mathematical motion. Let me show you. The action begins to rise as powerful strangers in a ruined yet vibrant world band together. If you run north, they will chase you. I suggest you stand behind me. Partner, I'd rather stand beside you if you're willing to help. Tension continues to mount higher as our characters must push themselves beyond their usual limits. As I'm climbing into the into the driver's seat, I'm going to say to Sarah, sometimes you got to make tough decisions. I'm driving now. And it peaks as a danger and excitement hits its zenith, leading to great failure or success. Fenriel would be just fire at this point. She straight up might die. Like, this encounter might murder you. You know what? You lit me on fire. We're going to be on fire, baby. And this tension relaxes. The tragedy, but more often humor, that comes with great pals being around a virtual table playing a game. Discover Sign on your favorite podcast player. S-I-N-E. The choices of the characters are theirs to make, but the fate of the world is up to the dice.